Jedi. Hear everything they say, ancient. Maybe we're not so different. Who are you under there? I'm vengeance. Hello and welcome to Step and Repeat, a weekly movies and award show podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Vengeance. <laughs> that, was a good, that was a good voice. I'm a natural Batman. You are the knight. The dark knight. And All right, Vengeance, let's get into some trouble. Let, let us, I guess this makes me Catwoman. I'll take it. Sure. <laughs> uh, Sounds good. Together, we are the cat and the bat, fighting crime and reviewing the Batman, the latest in the 14,000 Batmans that we've gotten in the last five years, whatever. <laughs> oh, they'll, and they'll never stop. They'll never stop. But yeah, that's what we do on the show. If you're new, we take a movie of the week and break it down we it's pretty simple we took last week off because mostly there was not any good movies that we wanted to see (laughs) i mean to be blunt about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean sorry (laughs) (laughs) so like why waste your time and waste our time and we're like in the middle of award season so i needed to take that break and digest a little bit yeah and it's a long (laughs) award season this season too so it is but in a way, we're kind of taking a break from that because uh, this is a 2022 movie, so we won't talk about its awards prospects for another year. I know. I know. It's so early. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this one like feels like the first movie that I can think of that's come out like in 2022 that has like awards prospects, mostly in the crafts. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely call this the big... The first big movie of 2022. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So and I'm um, and I'm glad that you know it's I I it feels like it's starting to get sort of back to normal-ish. Not it won't ever be normal, but yeah, know. we talked about this like a couple weekends ago when yeah. um there's a good box office report um down the line from like one to ten. So so there are signs of life. Uh but we Excited. will we will talk all about the Batman, the Dark Knight, Gotham City, and in its dark, dark glory soon enough. But didn't we just have this conversation too, like a couple years ago with Joker? <laughs> oh my god, we did. Yeah. Episode. This is our second Batman movie. Oh, that was one of our most listened to episodes ever. It might be our top episode. So you know, well, so thank you for tuning in because I'm, uh, you know, just going to assume now that this one's going to be well listened to. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm being very humble about it. Yeah, thank you. So, all right, well, let's top Joker. Let's top Joker. <laughs> I did not. That was a um, sexual reference, but uh, it's okay. I did not like, mean for that. Uh, comic book movie or comic book stuff in general can have very gay undertones and we have a bisexual character a canonically bisexual character in the batman which is catwoman of course but before we go into 
Gotham City, since we took two weeks off, I think we're both curious to know if we haven't been watching good movies, what have we been watching? Yeah. All right. I mean, it's there's been a lot, both fictionally and non-fictionally. So, Andrew, what have you been watching? Right. So... Uh, Fully, well, keeping in mind, it's all nice and fun to talk about the Batman, but I feel like it would be tone deaf of us to not at least acknowledge the atrocities that we are witnessing in Ukraine. So obviously that takes precedent in our minds right now. So I'm not going to go too deep into what are you watching, but I'm mostly just going to leave out a recommendation for a movie about Ukraine that is free on YouTube and is available on Netflix. It's called Winter on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom. And it was an Oscar nominee a few years back for Best Documentary. And it's about the Ukrainian revolution in like 2014 that helped like lead to these very moments that we're now witnessing. So, so if you kind of want to see where some of the historical concepts that you're, you know, watching on the news right now in terms of Vladimir Putin's influence on Ukraine, um, would highly recommend this movie. And it's a testament to the spirit of the Ukrainian people, because it's all citizens in this movie, like fighting for their freedom. So it's very, very powerful stuff. And if you want to educate yourself a little bit more, I would watch Winter on Fire. So again, they've made it free to to everyone. So it's on YouTube, uh, the whole hour and a half. And um, you can watch it on Netflix if you have an account. So, so yeah, just... Keeping that in mind, starting off with a little more of a somber note with the important stuff. Yeah, good watch. I uh, it's definitely been trend- trending. That movie has been trending on the uh, on all the movie apps and lately, and uh, for good reason. So I I, um, I saw it back in 2014, but I think I, I, it deserves a rewatch now. So thank you for bringing that up. And obviously, our hearts and thoughts are with the people in Ukraine during this very dark time. So yes, good, good, good recommendation. Thank you for that. Yeah. Just uh, wanted to get that out there quickly, uh, but hard to transition from that, but <laughs> Matt, what are you watching? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a hard transition. So I, I was thinking instead of doing like a me going on a soapbox, because <clears throat> um, you and I are both fans of the show. Um, we talked a little bit about Euphoria before we got into the Batman, because Euphoria obviously ended last weekend. Um, unfortunately, ended at a <laughs> at a bad time uh, with <laughs> everything going on right now. But I just wanted to chat a little bit about it. Season two, really, really, really liked it. I don't think I need to explain what Euphoria is, but it's about a bunch of high schoolers and they deal with sex, drugs, and marketing. So it's on HBO Max and... I think this season was exceptional in terms of acting and performances. And I think it was way in terms of, in terms of the performances were way, way better than season one. All these, well, we'll call them kids. They're not kids. They're in their 
early to mid twenties have really evolved and grown into themselves. And I think Zendaya has, Zendaya, Sydney Sweeney, Alexa Demi um, have just all become such great actors. And, and like, they just blew me away this season. I think this, I think the plot was a little weak. I think the writing was a little weak, but um, I was like, I became a huge, huge fan of Maude Apatow. I think she is, she is going to be amazing one day. Um, and then also the performances from not only, and like Storm Reed too, who plays uh, Zendaya's younger sister is also great. Um, but yeah, these, like these performances are just like great and I love them. And, but there's also been like a lot of controversy around this season too, with a lot of people like talking about how like they sexualize teenagers um and like that's been in the conversation as of late and yes i do get that but it's also part of the show the exaggeration is part of all of it but anyway uh we can we can talk about that um if you want and i know like recently like jacob el Roddy, el lordy i think i'm pronouncing that right uh who plays nate was all, was just like on ellen and she made a comment about how if he like he like has like these nude scenes in the show and she's and she's like well like no wonder look at you and there's been like some talk about that about how like um if roles were reversed it would have been like a um so yeah like that's been in the discussion as of late but anyway i think going back to the actual show like i think the i think the writing was a little bit weaker than the first season but the performances like really blew me away so euphoria season two just wrapped up and it is now on HBO and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Season two of Euphoria was a massive hit. So yeah. like looking at the ratings, the ratings from season one have doubled and it is, it's HBO's biggest show since Game of Thrones. And according to Twitter, it is the most tweeted show about it's the most tweeted show of the decade. Yeah. So, uh, so a lot of people are talking about and obsessed with Euphoria, myself included. And season two, uh, to your point, for me is is very much a vibe. Right, it's like you're just kind of like gelling with what's going on. I I kind of agree with some of the criticisms uh, about season two uh, that it's a little bit directionless. There's mm. not. It's not really going anywhere and you're just kind of like along for the ride and at some points i think that benefits the show i think that just like adds to the element of euphoria the time of life that euphoria is trying to depict which is you know your transitional adolescence yeah and but obviously from you know a tv making business that uh can be a little bit concerning because it's like, well, what are, what are you doing? What's the plot? Like, what's what's going on? And I I think the biggest sort of difference between season one and season two for me is I think season two started to say the quiet parts out loud that like season one was trying to convey. There are several like monologues uh, in season two uh, that they, you know, long, long conversations that season one, I think would have done a little bit more in sort of like 
a drug-induced state <laughs> that like yeah. Rue is in or something. Yeah. Uh, so like Euphoria is known for its style, like it's like lush sort of cinematography and like sweeping camera movements and musical influences. And I think it still has that. Like there is excellent use of of music. I think the best use of music is how much they relied on the band in excess, uh, which is like so, so perfect because like the whole point of euphoria's excess and so by a band that is literally in excess and like playing their songs like five times it was just yeah. like a stroke of genius uh i digress a little bit um but my point is that like they rely a lot on the crafts to tell their story and then they um relied on these like longer conversations to tell a little bit of the story you know about like Rue's dad and Lexi's dad, um, you know, they both have like father issues and they like bond over them sort of thing. And they, season two has like heart to heart sort of moments. And like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Dads were a real theme this season. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think I, I kind of agree with you, like on some of the writing, like I think some of the, the dialogue feels like a little bit stilted and yeah. it's like they're, it's almost as if they're just using filler to like, again, say the quiet part out loud. Whereas like season one, I think would have relied a little bit more on, um, I don't even, subtlety is not the right word because this show is anything but subtle, <laughs> but, uh, but they would have relied on other forms of, you know, communication through, through its camera or through its music and body movements. And they verbalized it more, I think in season two, um, which does allow for like great acting. Um, and for honestly, some people to like really step it up. Like you said, like, I think, um, like Maude Apatow actually finally got stuff to do this season and they're like really building on um, her character. But, Mm -hmm. um, but that also means they like have to sacrifice some other, uh, some other characters too. So that's, um, that's how I feel about season two uh, (laughs) in a nutshell. Certainly had some fantastic meme moments. So. Oh yeah. The internet was great. Yeah. They were on top of it. Proud of you, Twitter. And it, like Euphoria is like one of those shows that I think like really is evidence that the week to week model and monoculture like are way more successful than a dump of like eight episodes that Netflix does at one time. So like Euphoria dominated the conversation for eight weeks and we don't have that right now. Right, right. Um, I, I'm just like, I'm just sitting here thinking like <clears throat> um, the dialogue acting like was great, but also the physical acting was really good too. And I'm thinking of like one particular episode, like um, Zendaya's withdraw episode. Um, I was like, man, you've just snagged your second Emmy. Um, she like, so like there's an episode where she like goes into full withdraw. Like she's like um, denied drugs and she kind of runs all over the streets of the town she lives in causing like havoc and, um, you know, 
blaming her friends, blaming her family, yelling at them. Um, and I think like her, like, like her, like physical performance, like in that episode was like mind blowing. I thought she was like phenomenal. I thought she, I thought she was so great. And I was like, you know, Zendaya, like, obviously she's a great actress. Like I knew that before, but like <clears throat> seeing her in season two this time around, um, just like solidified that for me. She's just, I've become a huge Zendaya fan. Um, but, and also you're right about like how like now Lexi is getting more of a story. She's like growing into her own. Um, and like, they really want to put Maude Apatow's talents in the spotlight. Um, but unfortunately, like people like Hunter Schaefer are like, Oh, I'm know. actually really mad at like, they barely have jewels in this season. Yeah. Yeah. So like, there's like hardly any jewels interactions. Um, you know, I, I wanted like, as kind of annoying as like this Cassie Maddie thing is gets me like I wanted I still wanted more of it um I I didn't feel like I I we got closure there um I mean I'm sure we will in season three but um and I wanted them to like kind of explore that a little bit deeper it was just very like on the surface um but I think like the introduction of like Minka Kelly in the show uh I forgot her character's name um but like her and like Maddie um, talking, like exploring like Maddie in like a deeper, like, like on a deeper level. I think that was really good. I really like that. Um, so like bringing in like new people, like to um, like open up the characters or like dive deeper into them. Um, and like, there was like a new, um, I forgot his name. Um, Dominic Fike. Dominic Fike who came in. Um, like, yeah. Like they just like kind of like, grazed the surface on that one too there could have been i mean they they were starting to like dive deep into that and then like we got like a 10 minute song from him at the end and i was like oh my god okay like <laughs> that's enough um but but i i did not like that song i thought it took, took up way too much time i like i know he's a singer but um ugh, i i don't know how you felt about that um, it's right. i i i on the song like agreed like it went on way too long long. in the show and it's like it's supposed to be like him workshopping a song and he has the audacity at the end of performing the song to be like i'm still working on it like yeah i know it's like it's like oh here's my favorite song i'm still working on it (laughs) that that said i have downloaded the song and like i like listening i like the song by itself of just not it just doesn't work it just doesn't work in the show it took away for me it took away from like what they were doing and i just didn't really see the point of it it's a momentum killer but yeah um, it is but that's just like one seed in the the whole thing yeah um but yeah anyway so that's i don't want to take up too much time on euphoria but it's just something i i feel like we had to talk about um it's been on my mind all week (laughs) right (laughs) Um, i I find you sad we have to wait like three more, like two more years for it. I know. Oh my god. Yeah. And <laughs> I actually, I do, I don't mind. I actually kind of like the fact that they're in their mid twenties because, like, okay, the thing with Euphoria, actually, I think the key to liking Euphoria um, is 
throw out any sort of realism out the window. Right. Do not come into Euphoria with like realistic expectations. Like, do you think any high school has the budget to put on the the play that Lexi puts on with like rotating lockers <laughs> and like a full merry-go-round? Like, I mean, come on. And like gym equipment <laughs> to come yeah. on. So. And that's part of like my criticism of the criticisms. Like, you're not supposed to, this is not supposed to be real life. I mean, it's, it's it's exaggerated for a reason yeah. and yeah so just like just all belief needs to be suspended and like that's where people's like faults lie with the show i yeah. feel it's again like it's a vibe so euphoria right. is a, a vibe and so the whole point of euphoria which is you know why it's a show about drugs and adolescence is because like those are uh, states of life that are highly exaggerated and highly emotional and so that's like what euphoria is going for that is the vibe that they are going for so just just buckle in and you'll and that is the key to liking it a lot more <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's what i've been saying all along but anyway um that's that <laughs> so speaking of uh child stars should we go f- move to our next movie <laughs> sure i'm not like sure who are you referencing <laughs> um but... i mean i guess kind of like robert pattinson and zoe Kravitz. <laughs> i guess yeah Maybe. i mean yeah he was a kid when he first started out yeah there's definitely like a lot of people who became famous like in adolescence <laughs> speaking of dark unrealistic things <laughs> yeah yeah let's move on to the batman <laughs> the batman um i i'm going to try i'm going to keep it i think i think i can talk about the batman with, by keeping it mostly spoiler free but i will i'll give like fair warnings like i think we will get into a spoiler territory at some point so i'm yeah. i will I promise at least to say if slash when <laughs> there will be spoilers. So you can hit that little 15, 30 second jump on your podcasting device. Yeah. I need to go on a little bit of a rant. That's going to be a spoiler, uh, yeah. but I will give fair warning. Yes. Yeah. People should know by now what they're getting into when they listen to this show. The Batman. So the Batman directed by Matt Reeves and uh, written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig uh, starring what a cast of what I like to call like a cast of people who are all on the verge of getting their first Oscar nomination. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah, for real. Yeah. Like there are no Oscar nominees in this, but like, it feels like it's inevitable for half, if not all the cast very Mm -hmm. soon. So that means we have Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, Andy Serkis, and unrecognizable Colin Farrell. Uh, and two people who I legitimately did not know were in this movie until I uh, watched it, which is John Turturro and Peter Sarsgaard. Yep. <laughs> uh, so uh, it is available in theaters now, theaters only. And uh it will be on HBO Max in 45 days because uh, mm. that is part of the um, the new agreement that uh, HBO Max and Warner Brothers have this year. So instead of day and date, we're getting uh, 45 
45 day uh, window. So, so it'll be streamable in a month and a half. But there you go. But well, you got to see it in theaters now if you I want know. to be part of the conversation. <clears throat> At least we're getting it in theaters. Right. And it's somewhat of a little bit of a controversy because AMC theaters are charging more for the Batman than they are the other movies. Yeah, I, I think this is I think this is just an experiment. Um, I don't think it's going to last. I agree that it's an experiment, but I don't know if I agree with you on the I don't think it's going to last. Mm, I, could, I think I think they're getting enough pushback that I don't I don't think they're going to keep this model up, but we'll see. It's it's a tax, basically. It's a tax yeah. on popular movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's only AMC theaters too. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. So that is uh, that's where the Batman stands currently. It is a uh, it is a three hour movie, literally. Um, that it's one hundred seventy six minutes. So like. We're we're talking exactly three hours, not that like two hours and forty minutes sort of thing. Uh, but um, so uh, get your bat belt utility belt and buckle in for <laughs> for three hour epic. Uh, so uh, um, so uh, to kind of get like a little icebreaker uh, for for the Batman, uh, we'll do. 10 words or fewer review uh so uh matt uh, what did you think of the batman in 10 words or fewer um or, well okay so i'm gonna go a little bit more into this later but detective comics the movie would have been a better title right yeah <laughs> um i i think mine is uh mine ties to your to your point um, so uh, my review of uh, the Batman in 10 words or fewer is uh, the more I think about it, the better it gets. And that uh, relates to me personally, that relates to like the very nature of, um, of this movie. Um, Cause this is like a straight up noir. This is a, de- a detective movie. And um to the Batman's credit, I think this is like what sets it apart from all these, like I said at the beginning of the episode, all the other 14,000 Batmen there are out there. This really leans into uh, its cop thriller nature. Yeah. Um, I know like people ask me like, oh, what did you see the Batman? What did you think? What did you think? I was like, I'm like, fair warning, it is not a superhero movie. And I think people seem to be taking to it and people seem to be liking it. Um, but it is not what we've gotten in the last, you know, 10 years or so. It's, it's a very different, it's it's a very different take on Batman, but going back to his original roots, but in a much darker way. Um, Batman first, if you don't know, Batman first appeared in what's called detective comics in 1939, um, and as a detective, he is the world's greatest detective. And that's kind of what they were going for with this one. It granted in 1939, the comics were a little bit lighter, um, but they've kind of mixed in how dark Batman has gotten in the movies and like later on in comics and the zeitgeist. Um, 
so kind of taken that dark tone and mixed it with the detective portion of Batman um, and kind of came up with this Batman, well, year two um, story. And I think on, I think on some levels it was really good. And I think some parts did not work for me or for like the current, well, yeah, they just didn't work for me. Um, but I, I know a lot of people are really, really enjoying this one. Um, it's gotten very positive reviews all around. Um, and I'm glad, I, I'm glad people are liking it. It's, um, but for me, it was, it was a little bit of a, not, not a, disappointment is not the right word, but it was, it was, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. <laughs> and we'll, we'll kind of dissect as we go. Um, but I can say, starting off, I, I will, I have a very bold statement to make. Robert Pattinson is the best Batman. <laughs> uh, well, that's also because there's no Bruce Wayne in this movie. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Like, he's, that's true. this is by far, I think, the least Bruce Wayne we've ever gotten hmm. in any sort of Batman movie. I mean, I, I can count on one hand, I think, you, the times you see robert pattinson without the bat costume yeah oh it's like three it's like yeah. three times yeah it's um and i, I mean I, I i like that i i if i'm going to see a, a movie the, about the batman i want to see the batman <laughs> we've seen enough bruce wayne we know bruce wayne we know we know his origin story yeah um, and so i don't think this is too spoilery to say but especially given all the times that we've gotten the Batman origin story over the past, you know, decade or two, uh, this movie kind of does away with that. Like we don't see like the alleyway shooting or, you know, Martha's pearl necklace dropping. Yeah. Like how many times have it, we seen that? It doesn't just do away with it. It does the opposite of it. It paints Bruce Wayne's parents in not such a good light which, and it really humanizes who he is. So like, we've always been told like, Bruce Wayne is this orphan of these like, of the perfect family, of the perfect couple. But in this one, we kind of see that, okay, maybe his parents weren't so, such great people after all, or at least that's what we're told to believe. Um, and I think- I've seen online that like a lot of people think that this this the Batman is more like a second or third movie in a series which I can see because they sort of just drop you into this world and usually the second or a third movie is like taking everything that you know and throwing it on its head mm -hmm. and um, the Batman assumes that you are familiar enough with the story beats and like some of the characters that uh, you can uh, um, piece together some of the stuff um, for yourself which I have mixed feelings on I think um, I think it benefits certain areas and uh detracts from others um i think from a storytelling technique i don't know how much i agree with that some sometimes i think you like 
you need that connective tissue. Like if you wanted to watch just the Batman, say in like 40 years, and you didn't know anything about the story, I I I I mean this. Uh, like I don't know how much you'd be able to put together if you know like any little to anything about the Batman. Um, but maybe so. It's um, uh, who knows. Uh, and um, but where I think that like benefits the movie is that uh, you really feel the world. Um, speaking of vibes. Uh, um, I, I this term is so overused and kind of obnoxious, but this movie has really great world building uh, in the sense of, in that sense of just dropping you into Gotham City and you, it feels lived in, in the sense that uh, there are all these, there is a full cast of characters just like, wandering around and it's uh you actually feel like this is a complex city where one person does one thing and that affects another thing and it's not this just sort of like micro story so it feels like there are a lot of different directions um that they can go because they've um they really took the time all three hours of it (laughs) to uh to give you different paths mm-hmm. uh, to to explore a big a big world to explore. Yeah, and I mean, essentially, that's where they. I mean, if spoiler alert, <laughs> um, essentially, that's where we end up in the end. Is which path are we taking? You know, there's options, there's choices, um, and there's they they really grounded. Uh, they, I feel like they really grounded these characters, especially in terms of like heroes and villains. Um, and like Batman can be very like corny and very goofy, and like some of the villains, some of the characters can be very goofy. Like I think about like Danny DeVito's Penguin, or like or the Riddler, Riddler, in, Jim Carrey Riddler. Yeah. Uh, side note, I I still love Jim Carrey as the Riddler. I always <laughs> yeah, will. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll always be a Jim Carrey defender fan. Uh, Jim Carrey defender as the Riddler. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so, like, a lot of these, like, a lot of these characters can be very, like, hard to disseminate, um, and, and you're, and the Gotham did seem very real, it, like, seemed like a very real place, and somewhere, like, that could be here today, like, here now, um, but in very, very, very dark times, um, as, <laughs> as we seem to be living in, um, and I think, um, I think starting out in this new like Batman universe, I think it was a good idea to um, bring in like Selena Kyle and start building that relationship between Selena Kyle and Batman or Catwoman and Batman. Um, like in a very um, those early building blocks of Commissioner Gordon and Batman. Um, not a whole lot of Alfred this time around, but I'm not sure if we'll get maybe more of him in the second one. Um, Alfred has a very interesting backstory as well, and maybe we'll see more of that. Um, there were parts of this movie that I was thinking, like, I had similar thoughts of, like, like that I was thinking about, like, with Joker, when I was seeing Joker with Walking Phoenix. Like, if you took away the bat suit and changed his name, I mean, would this be, like, really a Batman movie? 
Um, Cause like when I was seeing, like I was, when I was seeing Joker, like just take away the ears and I'm like, okay, this could be like just a movie about like a rough city and rough times and a detective. Um, but again, but like <laughs> Warner Brothers slapping the Batman IP on it. Like they did with Joker. Um, just like I had just had some of those thoughts, like during the movie, that's how like, um, like grounded I like I felt it was, um, but but I know I I I I was I'm not actually like serious when I'm thinking that I just for fun but, um, but like, I do want to get like into like what I was talking about earlier like a very spoiler territory which I want to go in a little bit of a rant about, um, so stop here, uh, go back if you don't want to hear this. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, there is a scene in like towards the end um i just like while we're on the villains there's a scene towards the end where it's revealed that um the joker is in arkham as a prisoner uh played by barry i'm saying his name wrong i'm sure like barry keon um and i was really really hoping they would not have the joker in this or like introduce him as the next one um because i'm so sick of seeing the joker (laughs) and i think there are batman has such a interesting list of villains um that they could choose from like i would love to see like this version of like poison ivy or like mr freeze like we don't have to do the joker route again for the next movie um but there are like so many interesting villains like the court of owls rachel ghoul um different ones that we could like see like in this new universe that i would be so excited to see like i never thought like like they could do like like a really good penguin but like Colin Farrell pulled it off. Like he really pulled it off as like a mob boss and like someone I took very seriously. And also like the like comedic relief of the movie. Um, but like, I think he did like, like I thought Colin Farrell was fine, but I thought like the penguin, like this penguin of this version of the penguin was like, was like really well done. And like, I wanted to see like, like I want to see more of that. Like, I don't want to see another Joker. Like we've seen the Joker, we've seen it done. Like John Turturro is Carmine Talcone, like incredible. Like, where did that come from? Um, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Paul Dano as the Riddler, but I get it. He's fine. Um, and I just think like, you know, this version of Catwoman is, is great. It's, she's not hokey. She's not corny. Um, and like, there is a genuine, like relationship there between her and Batman. Um, but yeah, so that's, sorry. That's like my 60 second rant about <laughs> that scene in the movie. And I, I won't bring it up again, but um, no, I I kind of know what you mean about the about the Joker because it's just this. Um, it, it feels like a crutch at some you know at some point. Like if you know if we're talking about this you know extensive world, um, like this crutch of you know always coming back to the Joker, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like depressing from a storytelling and state of the industry uh standpoint storytelling because it's like there are other options like you like you just went into um and from like the movie standpoint like the actors demonstrably love the joker like it is just one of these roles that has permeated through (laughs) through history and like every single joker is uh like an oscar nominee or uh or winner um and like uh, to, the exception of jared leto <laughs> no he's a winner he's won 
Oh, oh, sorry. I, I thought you meant for the actual Joker role. Yeah, sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like me. I, so my point yes. about that is just like all these quote unquote high caliber actors are drawn to this role and like want to do this role. And, um, you know, Joaquin Phoenix won best actor for doing this. So there are these, um, and Heath Ledger won best supporting actor for doing the Joker and, you know, Jack Nicholson. So like, we've, we've got this long history of, of Joker actors, um, you know, being like well-loved by their peers and that's what the oscars are so so yeah so i i um get what you're saying uh i was reading an interview with matt reeves the director and he uh he said um he was the joker was actually supposed to be in more of the movie in the first drafts and i don't know how much they probably even shot some of these uh so where he was like this sort of other character basically just like waltzing around gotham the way that the penguin is and the way that um you know falcone is and uh catwoman are um and the riddler so um so i know like there's like some hesitation uh among fans um with good reason, just given precedent of like how many quote unquote villains are in in the movie. I um actually think it like kind of works to this movie's benefit again because of the world sort of thing. And so I do think the the jokerness of it all undercuts that. I actually I I think it would be better if he were either not in it at all. I think that's probably the preferable thing. Or um or like there's other characters, like he's just kind of around in the background yeah and like one thing i think matt reeves did and i did not like this um is with when it came to the riddler i felt like it was even without the joker in it it was very much like the joker joker jokerized (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. like like he took on a lot of the same personality traits um that we've seen in previous movies he 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 did a lot of the same things with like the people and his henchmen and um like riddler uh enthusiasts and riddler um like encouraging people like to become the riddler like we've seen this before like we've seen all of this happen like i don't understand why people are like so amazed by the storyline in this plot it's like this is the same plot that we've seen in like joker uh walking phoenix's joker and in the dark knight like we've seen like the like like you're just taking what the joker did before and slapping the Riddler name on it. Like, okay, give, that's not the Riddler. Like, I'm sorry, but that really, really made me mad. I... Anyway. <laughs> I What I really like, um, what they did, I really like the QAnon undertones that they sort of take with this um, with this movie. Um, they make it, like, a little bit more relevant. They never say, like, the words QAnon or anything, but um, the implications are very much there. Like, technology plays a part uh, yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and um, to your and- point about comedic relief, um, my uh, favorite uh, moment, this movie has very little comedy in it, but um, my favorite <laughs> moment is uh, of comedy is when uh, um, the... the the Riddler is like addressing 
uh, his, you know, fervent followers, real fringe types, as they call it, <laughs> as they say in the movie, uh, like via a, you know, YouTube video that's on like 8chan or something. And uh, he says like, thanks guys for all the comments. Uh, your advice on detonators was really helpful. <laughs> and I was dying. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, see like, uh, that, like things like that are great. I love that. Like that's hilarious. <laughs> but we don't need to, what we don't need to do is make like a mock army of Riddlers and dress them all up the same. Um, because like we've, again, we've seen that before. But like stuff like that, like the QAnon like stuff and like even the, like the Riddler, like, yeah, I mean, he's the Riddler. He's, he does like some funny things like that. Like, give me more of that. Like, I want more of that. Um, you know, it's that, that was, that was good. Um, but like, just what I don't like is like the same stuff over and over and over again. I do like, um, I, I agree and say where you're coming from, from, from the Riddler yeah. perspective, but I do like the influence that this has on Batman. Uh, so this isn't the first superhero movie to do this, um, but I think this movie does this particularly well. Um, so at the very end, one of his, one of the Riddler's QAnon army, you know, uh, soldiers, uh, like is demasked and like, they ask like, who are you? Who are you? And his like responses, I am vengeance, which is Batman's line from earlier in the film. And so it really kind of ties into what is like what is vengeance like what it means to be an avenger for lack of a better word (laughs) or a a vigilante the way Mm. that the batman is and um i don't know i guess this is credit to robert pattinson too but like you really the connective tissue between those like parallel paths uh are there and like what it means to like take up your own version of justice yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I mean, very, yeah, yeah, very well done. Um, in terms of like, like the like the acting in that scene was, was really good. Um, but anyway, um, speaking of taking on your own version of justice, let's talk about Catwoman a little bit. My favorite um, performance in the movie. Yes. I think Zoe Kravitz is the best. This Zoe movie. Kravitz is yeah. Zoe Kravitz is the best. Um, I think she. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, there's not much to compare her to except Michelle Pfeiffer. But, um, yeah, I mean, she 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 did an amazing job as Catwoman. Um, you know, we can talk about. You know, we can talk about. You mentioned that um, sexuality earlier, which is she again like the bisexual she's placed bisexual uh bisexual girl again just like Anne Hathaway did um so again nothing new like we've seen this before um but yeah I mean I think her and um Robert Pattinson had great chemistry I I really enjoyed seeing them together on screen um and yeah I think she I think she was um she was incredible I thought she was really good um I think the casting was the casting for this movie, like overall, was very well done. But I think it was like Zoe Kravitz, like that's like someone I would have never thought of uh, <laughs> to play the role. But I mean, she she did a great job. Um, yeah, like the role of Catwoman. Um, I love all three Catwomen and in on film and for three very different reasons. <laughs> are, so, are you talking Halle Berry too? <laughs> uh, 
I hate. So I was thinking about Anne Hathaway. Um, yeah, but, Anne Hathaway, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, the How the Mary version is, is certainly um, very different. And that movie is r- ridiculous in its own right. Yeah, um, it's very corny. Yeah, um, but... Uh, my, I actually don't think it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, I never like, like trashing on movies sort of thing. So I'm not going to like trash on um, the, the Catwoman, um, but it's, uh, um, it's a ridiculous movie. I think intentionally ridiculous, which is why I think it gets a bad rap. Um, uh, but, um, but back to, back to Zoe and um she is like able to bring a a sensuality and a playfulness um and seriousness um to the story and she's she's actually tied to the plot and the the yeah. storyline plot or storyline plot that is redundant um <laughs> uh in the sense that she you know feels connected to everything that's going on and not just like this interesting little person um you know wandering around and um within the world of gotham and batman and catwoman like okay these concepts are like demonstrably ridiculous of you know like a man dresses up (laughs) as a bat and like flies around and fights crime that is like if you're if your movie is going for quote-unquote realism like that is ridiculous and um i think zoe kravitz is able to her character and the way she plays uh catwoman is like almost like recognizes the ridiculousness of it all and like still goes along with it and i think that highlights um how uh, like silly and this word is also used a lot for this movie but like how emo uh like robert pattinson's batman is and uh so it's that's like why i love her in a in a sort of way like she is leading the tone of of the movie and is like a a sort of viewer surrogate for for everyone else and Mm -hmm. it just like really works for me yeah so that's also the thing about like this cat woman is like they never put her in a cat outfit she has like leather yes but she never like wears the ears she has like a hood that she wears or a mask that she wears but i i can't remember that has they... like it has little pointy ears on it like she has this like beanie that has like yeah the way it's well, designed it's it's supposed to be very like it's very discreet and i yeah. and like i saw the long nails too but like you know there certainly was no like Michelle Pfeiffer's outfit and it, it was very, uh, what's the word? It was very, um, tasteful, <laughs> a tasteful cat. Um, but like, so in terms of like ridiculous outfits, she wasn't as ridiculous as she could have been. Um, although I have a feeling for the next one, it, her, her outfit may get a little more ridiculous. Like I don't, do they ever refer to her as Catwoman? She calls herself the cat, like so. At like the very, the very end, she's like the cat and the bat, like or the bat and the cat. Like we'd make a great team. Sort yeah. Of so yeah. Um, but so, in some ways, and yeah. she has cats. <laughs> like she, she she's aware. Like she's very self-aware of everything. Yeah, yeah, and so she wants to be. Um, 
so I think what like one thing, not that I'm like love the Christopher Nolan movies, but one thing they did was they took um, Batman and kind of explained how Batman, how the suit is a symbol. Um, and in this one, we just kind of have to like take that as an assumption. And I feel like when it came to Catwoman, she wanted to like, like Selena Kyle was, she didn't necessarily have to dress up, but she also wanted to be that, that symbol for like, you know, um, sticking it to the upper class. Um, and like, that's like, that's essentially like who the cat quote unquote was. Um, but I, I, I did, I really liked how the character of Selena Kyle evolved throughout the film and her interactions with the Batman. Um, and I, th- I thought like, again, like the chemistry between them was, was great. Um, and I thought like, and I, like, I know I mentioned it before, but I thought like the end when, like you mentioned, like with the bat and the cat and they both kind of like, like she's like, she says to like Batman, like I'm going to wherever it is I'm going. There's, there's, there's some kind of like story. They did that with that in the comics. Um, but she's like, I'm going this way. You know, it's your choice whether or not you want to come with me. Um, and it's like, you know, he's he <laughs> actually like at the end, like you are conflicted. Like, okay, where does like where does this guy like where does Batman go? Does he stay in Gotham or does he go with the symbol that is the bat and the cat? Um, so I yeah. I thought I thought the ending was actually really good. I really liked it. I li- I liked that moment. Um, yeah, I think I I think the last half hour or so is like some of the movie's strongest material. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I think like <laughs> thirty minutes could have been cut from the first <laughs> two and a half hours. Um, See, this is exactly why I think I'll like it more. Like as I think about it because um, it is very dense. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in that, you know, three hours. And so in some regards, I um, agree with you. It's like, yeah, well, like maybe they could have cut like some of this, some of this exposition really, like they're explaining a lot. Um, but on the other side of that coin is I find detective movies like really rewarding on rewatches. And I can think of so many detective movies or cop movies that I think are like, yeah, it was okay. Like it was pretty good on like the first watch. And then I watch it like a second time and I'm like, oh my God, this is kind of a masterpiece. (laughs) Not that I'm saying the Batman is like that, but I thought that's a genre that I find myself liking more with time so i just like i kind of have to give myself a little bit more time i think with this um with this movie um and i think it will end up it'll sit with me better not that it sits with me badly right now (laughs) yeah i i got a lot of um like zodiac vibes oh yeah yeah um again another long movie but I also felt like, <laughs> like detective movies, like when they're long, they feel long. But 
Oh, um, actually, Jake Gyllenhaal would make a good Batman, I think. Uh, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal was actually supposed to be Spider-Man. Oh, that's right. Then that's why he was, not why he was in um, uh, Far From Home, but yeah. uh, it's just like fun little factoid. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how I feel about Jake Gyllenhaal's Batman. I don't know. He's got but, he's got enough like weird qualities to the point where you can see that it's like okay like yeah you could be a a complete psycho who's just like who dresses up as a bat at night and he's like got obviously seriousness um, aspects to him too so so I can yeah. that's why I think I can see him as a Batman yeah have Maggie Gyllenhaal direct yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, trying to think, what else? What? Who would you like to see in the second one? As far as villains go, I, char- characters in general. I like, I like what they're doing with this, um, this idea. I want like the penguin, and I want more of the penguin. I just want, I just want more of the characters that we got to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like this, like just drop you into the world and um, really get to like explore what these certain character brings, not too dissimilar to like what we were talking about, like with euphoria. So like we're dropped into the world at the beginning of season one of euphoria. And like, we know who like Lexi is as a character, but they, we don't like fully get to go deep into her until season two. And so something along those lines like more of the mayor this new like this mayor elect and um like what's going on there so like yeah we got like a lot of rich backstory but i think they've given us enough little bits of characters to uh to work with that i'm fascinated and and intrigued by and that's the sort of stuff i want to see from uh, Mm -hmm. inevitable sequels yeah yeah um i think I would love to see the penguin as like, like the head boss, like the, like the big crime boss of Gotham, um, like his evolution to that. Cause I think in this one, um, you know, he was a little more of like, you know, the sidekick uh, and they made him a little goofier, which is fine. Um, but, but yeah, to explore him more as like, like the boss, like the head honcho, um, I think that would be good. Um, and like again, like as I said, like I I would like to see like Batman has a, an extensive rogues gallery, um, and I would like to see like what Matt Reeves can do with like really ridiculous characters like Poison Ivy or Mister Freeze, and like see how like 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 bring on that challenge of like making them grounded. Um, I, I do. I would just be curious to to see that. Uh, like Mad Hatter, I think would be like um some like a good character to explore someone we've never seen before on screen hugo strange um you know he there was talk before robin williams died that he was going to be um hugo strange in one of the christopher nolan movies uh and i was like so excited for that i thought that would have been um awesome to see but unfortunately uh we lost him way too soon um but yeah i think that like like that would be another really cool character to see like in this in this universe um the the more we evolve with batman the more like grounded these characters are i'm not talking about suicide squad that's a whole other genre but as far as like batman characters go um 
we get to see like we get to like relate to them on a more serious level um and i just i don't know i i just batman has a lot of characters that i just i would love to see <laughs> i would love to see on screen um even like maybe like a story like how he starts to like like become like um like taken orphans or like taken like taken like someone like a dick grayson or a robin and not necessarily like bring in robin um but like more of like take on that father role um like that's like you know, dive dive deeper into like you know who he who bruce wayne is um because we didn't really get to see that much bruce wayne um but but yeah i, I what? there's a whole there's so many different paths the next one could take and not only that, but um, we're getting a spinoff series. Uh, the Gotham PD going to be on HBO Max, yeah. just like part of the Warner Brothers strategy with basically all of their movies. Like that's what like Peacemaker is is yeah. like too. So yeah, and it, I think isn't that show like is focusing more on like Arkham? It, I, like, I don't know. I don't even think they've even maybe cast or I definitely they definitely haven't started filming but yeah. I don't even think it's necessarily been cast yet but like to your point of avenues that they can expose in, mm. in this Gotham world like that's certainly a path that they can go down yeah lots of different lots of different paths uh, I look forward to seeing where they're going um, but as far as this first one you know, I think the performances are incredible. I think we've gotten, I would think we have, honestly, I think we have the best Batman we've ever seen on screen and the best Catwoman. Um, but some of the plot and story I thought was a little weak, but that was just my opinion. But I'm glad people are liking it. I'm glad people are going to the theater to see it. And I'm going to be saying that for a while because, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, uh that's pretty much all I have to say about the Batman. I don't know why I enjoy saying the term the Batman so much, but I do. Yeah. I've been like looking forward to this movie for a long time. I, I brought it up on the show a lot and I'm glad we finally got to see it. And uh, remember when Robert Pattinson got COVID? Oh yeah. <laughs> and then like, shut down production. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's glad he's okay. That's... Yeah. Yeah. But he got he got COVID before the vaccine was started. That was a very scary time. I know it was like it was in those early days of of one the pandemic, but um, two when they started like reopening shoots again, yeah. of like where they would shut down basically production for anyone who got COVID. And just, like when Robert Pattinson got COVID, it was like, oh, the star who is in every frame of this movie practically yeah. <laughs> got COVID. <laughs> Yeah, like, remember when Tom Hanks got COVID filming Elvis? Oh, that trailer dropped. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. think that looks good at all. Uh, 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 same. I was like, oh, well, uh, maybe I don't, uh, yeah. don't think it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Could blow us all out of the water. Um, all right. Well, anything else on The Batman? Uh, no, uh, no, that's, uh, that is it. Yes. For right. more. Well, I hope you were inspired and go dress up in a bat suit and save the world. We all need that right now. Don't expose my secret like that, Matt. You know I do that Shoot. already. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. My bad. 
well, I guess I'll cut it there then. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's a wrap from us. So um, we'd love to hear more from you and let us know what you thought of today's show and what you thought of the Batman now in theaters. If you had the chance to watch, uh, you can always reach us on Twitter at repeat step pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash step and repeat pod, or send us an email at step and repeat pod at gmail.com. We will not con you into becoming Riddlers and attacking the city. You can find more of our reviews on the Letterboxd app. Andrew's A. Shine and I am at mgrant1219. And always please spend a few seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those new interviews, those new reviews help us find new listeners. And if you give us a five-star review, we'll give you a 60-second review of any movie of your choosing. Any Batman, any Batman spinoff, anything you decide. So until next time, thank you for listening. And I think I speak for Andrew when I say it's an honor just to be considered. <laughs>